This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hello and welcome to Who's Up Podcasts. I'm Jacob. I'm here with the Wyatt. Morning. And Freya. Morning. Genuinely, I thought you'd be more subdued. Uh, <laughs> Listeners, week, you didn't see the eye roll. That I think they very much know it's there. <laughs> this week, we're going back into iconic characters in spin-offs, I think is the politest way of putting it, with Torchwood's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and the Sarah Jane Adventures Enemy of the Bane. To start with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, this is the Series 2 opener of Torchwood that follows on from Series 3 of Doctor Who. So Jack returns to the Hob, along with an old acquaintance of his from the Time Agency, Captain John Hart. Now, I think this may be, short of earth aside, the best episode of Torchwood. That's incorrect. Thanks. Countryside exists. Yeah, that, that I do agree with that. <laughs> That's got um, Owen sexually assaulting Gwen against the truth. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was sort of later revealed that she was into it, but his intent was bad. Yeah, that... Mm. I mean, we're already onto series one, which is a lot. But I gen- <laughs> that is one of my <laughs> least favourite things in, like, pretty much the entire Doctor Who universe. I, I yeah. actually hate that scene with a passion, but I think all of my favourite episodes of Torchwood have at least one iffy scene. Which is very unfortunate. I mean, <laughs> Greeks bearing gifts we were talking about before this started. So I think people who know will know what that means. Yeah. And then uh, what's okay, what's the questionable moment in this one then? Other than behind the scenes. Let's just get that out of the way now. I love how we've only been talking about Torchwood for less than a minute. We've already gotten onto how iffy certain things are. <laughs> yeah, we actually had a conversation before this going, can we like talk about that? Can we do a podcast like this? And then I was like, oh, I don't know, and we just got on talk. Feel free to move Separate me on at any artist. point. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Anyway, let's... Um, oh, we've most... made it awkward already. <laughs> <laughs> let's make it sexy. Yeah, let's go. That's the worst transition I've ever done. I mean, even so I'm the... up for it and he's a man. <laughs> Bloody Hugh Sock. <laughs> okay, so... The main selling point of this episode is Captain John Hart, as played by James Masters, old uh, time agent, former colleague of Jack, and just quite possibly the sexiest man alive. I mean, what a selling point, honestly. <laughs> I, I don't want to watch it again. I love him too. <laughs> I think he's great. He's just so sassy. Every time he comes on screen, it's just an absolute joy to watch him. Yeah. You know that he's just, he's not a good person, but you just want to keep on watching him. Yeah, you just want to see what he does next because he could be about to do something really funny or he could be about to absolutely rip your heart out with something kind of awful. Or he might be about yeah, to take like his literally shirt off. paralyzing people. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be one of those podcasts, all right? Strap in. But I mean, you've got, I mean, you've got it's every scene that just introduces him, it's just perfectly done. So you've got him. Like you were saying, that balance of good and bad is done perfectly when he saves the guy from a mugger by throwing the mugger off the top of a multi-storey car park. <laughs> so, okay. Then he walks into a bar, tells, 
like every man. Sounds like the start of a bad joke. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's just the career of the man who wrote this. I I wondered how long we go without Chibnall Shade. You set it up, I'm going to hit it. Which is very much John Hart's attitude in this episode. (laughs) For the record, it's nearly 10 o'clock. I'm very sorry. But he walks into the bar, points at the various men and women. It's like, you're staying, you're leaving, you're staying, you're staying. Then pulls out guns, everyone runs out. Jack goes to find him, but there's an intense stare-off. Then they immediately start making out and then fighting. To the tune of, what was the song again, away? Uh, song 2 by Blur. Iconic Great. tune. It, Actually, iconic I thought his entrance tune. was a, a bit like River in two different scenes both in the scene where she tells Lux that he's the only one with his helmet on because she doesn't fancy him in uh, Science of the Library <laughs> and the bit in Let's Kill Hitler where she gets two machine guns out and tells everyone to strip. Uh, and honestly, I want to see those two meet. I really do. It will be iconic. Um, that would. The sexual tension. Like, we can't... You couldn't show that in any media other than AO3. Oh, God, does that exist really in AO3? Could... Probably. Hold, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what do you get Googling while I keep talking? But I, I did say this last night of um, that whole bar sequence, the kissing, the fighting, just the dialogue between the two. Has anyone had more fun in two series of Doctor Who with Chibnall than they have in just that one scene? Because I genuinely don't think I have. Maybe one scene, and that would probably be uh, the haunting of Villa Diodati. Um, the, uh, the scene where the Doctor just shouts at Ryan. I genuinely thought you were going to say when the master makes the doctor kneel. <laughs> genuinely, I thought that's where you were going. But update: there's technically three fan fictions. Technically three. Define. Uh, yeah, because t- two out of three also include Jack. I can't tell you what I'm thinking right now. Well, I think we all know. <laughs> How am I the most out of control on this podcast when the two of you are here? This is true. It's been restrained. We're going to have to have an intervention, Mr. Uh, President. Both <laughs> <laughs> the wise and bad choice, and we're saying restrained. So, um, yeah, John Hart is just an absolutely blast of a character who just fits the genre. It's sort of what Torchwood, I think, should be almost day to day, where you can have someone who's pushing the limits, but is still very much sassy, very bisexual. Um, yeah, but just that really. I think it's sort of everything that Doctor Who needs that isn't allowed on Doctor Who. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is the um, best way of phrasing it. Yeah, he he's, his sort of campness. Um, it really is what Torchwood should have more leaned into rather than series one, which was a bit gritty and dark, I guess. But like, what is the, it, sorry, but what is the like lightest... the gritty? What is the lightest point in series one? Um, lightest cool. It's day one, isn't it? Probably, yeah. A guy gets his neck ripped out by a weevil, uh, and they bring a guy. Oh, is it? Oh, I, I always forget. Day one isn't the first one. No. Oh yeah, day one is came and went, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I can say with utmost certainty that Frey said that, then thought of it. <laughs> 
I was not thinking when I spoke, but hey, don't blame me, blame the writer. Taking your crown back. See? It was a good joke. I blame the writer, Chris Chibnall. Mm-hmm. That's about the contrast. I genuinely yeah. think he had some fit of amnesia between 2009 and 2018. Because his writing style, I know it's a different show, but it's so different. A yeah, lot of writers, you can notice the tone. Like, you can spot bits of Doctor Who in Davies writing It's a Sin. Yeah. And I don't just mean the Daleks. <laughs> it just seems so... When you consider the energy of this compared to the energy of, like, Series 11. It'd be interesting to... And the same with things... Like... Oh, sorry. No, you go first. Uh, it's similar with things it's like Broadchurch, like he's responsible for that. The characterization in that is just gorgeous. Mm. And just everything about it is wonderful. And yet, how can he not do that again? I just don't understand. Yeah. With the same actors as well. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's literally. really odd. Uh, maybe one thing to do would be watch Torchwood, then Broadchurch, and then uh, Series 11 and 12, just to try and see where that change happens what did he do in between it's a proper if anyone wants to move i don't think he did anything else in between because it's the reason we didn't have any doctor who for like a year is because uh he said he wanted to finish off series three and then moffat stepped in to do series 10 well he did he did law and order in between like torchwood and broadchurch oh that's got david bradley not david not david bradley um bradley walsh Walsh. (laughs) Broadchurch, meanwhile, did have David Bradley. It did. <laughs> it had so many Doctor Who actors, and it's oh kind of a derailment. But I think we had, was it three Doctors, one villain, and a companion? Uh, yeah, sure. Jodie, Bradley, David. That one, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're going to offer that one. You get probably the most famous out of all of them. Yeah, Olivia Coleman. Yeah. Prisoner Zero. Nice. <laughs> well we really have Did... derailed this, haven't we? Yeah. yeah uh, anyway. well, what... I mean, we've covered one of the points of like, what I was going to say is Torture Series 2 better than Torture Series 1. I think we've sort of... Yeah. Yes. Overall. Literally, like... literally in the notes it says, well, yes. Yeah. We just covered that. <laughs> like, actually delving into Jack's backstory in this series is quite interesting. And then they, they just sort of tease it in series one. It's like, ooh, who is he? And we're like, well, if you've watched Doctor Who, you probably at least know a bit of his backstory. That's so it's why, Chib- why keep on teasing this? I said this is what we're saying. Chibnall had amnesia. Sorry, I'm saying that. Let me just not. <laughs> well, have you noticed how much of this is actually similar to how the companions treat the 13th Doctor? Yeah, yeah, that's they have, really weird. You know, it's after when Jack goes off to find John. And the, I generally like companions, the torture team get in the taxi and like, there's so much we don't know about him. He just goes off and shows up. They, they have That's the same conversation. Almost verbatim, word for word. <laughs> yeah. It's, which is incredible. But it's just the exact same idea. And they're like the same slot in the series as well. Oh my God. Does this mean Yanto dies again in series 13? <laughs> Did we have a spoiler warning at the beginning of this? No. <laughs> In my defence, um, spoiler warning right now. 
to be fair, there are things. Spoiler warning for two minutes ago. I'll just say, for the record, in the notes, there is a massive thing written in big capital letters that we're not spoiling. And we're so spoiling it not to a point that we can't say what we're not spoiling. I'll be honest, I can't remember it. I'm currently long. looking at it and uh, yeah, I've decided just never to open my mouth again. <laughs> for context, I accidentally spoiled something a few days ago and it was, that was not fun. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, a wine doesn't matter. We both have oh, a seat Um Right. I try, well, I'm trying to think what else there is to talk about in this episode. Other than the, just the blowfish. Just, the intro. The blowfish, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was, a bit, this was written by Davies, for the record. Like, he was, he was down to write the full episode, and he just couldn't. So he wrote, he wrote the pre-titles and then handed it off. But this, this was just to reintroduce the show, and it just smacks of it. it, it again, it's that pure torture thing of... Just going full, full on. Yeah, um, I love it. Just having uh, a an elderly grandma, I assume grandma, um, just sort of crossing the road in the middle of the night with this bloatfish driving a, a sports car. Also, I love the, the implication that people in Cardiff just know about Torchwood but see them as a nuisance. Yeah. They're just like, oh, it's them aliens again. For the, for the record, <laughs> the, image, the image on the Hoosock group chat is a edited version by myself of Bloody Torchwood, which says Bloody Hoosock. But uh, I like, apparently, I don't really know much about this, but they made edits of Torchwood that kids could watch. What? Like they cut out all the swearing and all the nudity. How long like, was it? Five content. minutes? Yeah, pretty much. But you know, because in this, the blowfish is just on cocaine. Mm. Apparently, in the cut-down version, he's like, oh, he's really ill. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 but Tosh's line of, this fish is wired, is probably one of the best things that's ever happened in Torchwood. <laughs> the fact that not only is there a blowfish driving a sports car, but the blowfish is also on cocaine. It's just incredible. <laughs> it's, it's exactly everything that Doctor Who should do, but can't get away with. Mm. It's, a, it's I think, amazing. I think I'd say there's only one beat that this episode drops on, and it's a continuous problem, and it's Gwen and Jack. Yeah. Oh, don't get me they, started. They I will rant for a million years. Well, they just push that Gwen Jack romance without. Not. It's almost will they, won't they? Yeah, it's not good. But it's just it's... creepy. And if Christian were here, he'd tell you about the series five audio where it just goes to the extreme. Oh no. Ugh. Oh no. I no, didn't even know you. that was a thing. No. no take like, it away. She's literally by this point in a committed relationship. Like, leave it there. Have that conversation where they're like, and he even pushes it at the wedding, like the oh, wedding yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. He's still weird then, even though he's kind of supposed to be with Yanto at that point, and she's in a committed relationship too. And I just don't like the way that they make Gwen go off with other people because she wouldn't actually be tempted if she was going to stay with Reese like she does. She yeah. wouldn't be tempted that way. She would have just gone off with one of them, definitely, because the whole point of Gwen is like she can still be compassionate. She can still stay in a committed relationship despite all the work she does for Torchwood. And they yeah. undermine it by having her go off and kiss other people. Yeah. It's such a character trait that there's a there's a tie-in book, and I can't tell you the name of the life. I may have to go randomly Google it, but where she has an, like someone else joins Torchwood and they're actually an alien, like in person, but whatever. 
I thought she has an affair with them as well. Yeah, it's like... And that's like post-Owen. I get that... That's one of the reasons I don't actually like Gwen that much. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would I like her a lot more if she didn't do that. And literally, if the cheating bits were the only bits she took out, my respect for her would be a lot higher than it currently is. Yeah, I, I get that Like series one was like, you're not meant to like everyone completely apart from Yanto. He's he's an absolute treasure. Um, uh, excuse me, Tosh. <laughs> Tosh, Tosh well. exists. Yeah. They're, they're just um, the babies. Like, they do everything right yeah. and they're just softies the whole yeah, time. Well they, they just, well, they overshoot and are going, I don't, so you're not meant to completely like everyone. It's like, okay, I don't like any of them. <laughs> yeah, I like, that, I, they, I get that they're meant to be flawed and human characters, but also like make the flaw like reasonable or something that they can endearing. actually grow from yeah there's there's flawed and then there's um i don't want to say irredeemable problematic yeah yeah there's this person is a bit too stubborn and then this person is a prick like there is a line between the two you can say that shut up why you are not the one having <laughs> a go for vanity given that the last time you're on this podcast we had to edit out an f-bomb First time with the new station manager at Purple Radio, who is absolutely lovely. I'll say that on the record, but I had to email her and say, could you just edit out a bit? Why are you doing this BTS stuff? Because I can. Calling me out like this. I have a band. Out. Oh, yeah, buy that salmon. But um, let's move on, shall we? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> okay, Enemy of the Bane. Oh, well, okay. this was, in fact, a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, it's, it's a wide oh, Uh oh. Um, so, Enemy of the Bane, the series two finale of Sarah Jane Adventures, in which Luke reunites with Mrs. Wormwood, the Bane who created him. And they're searching for Horath, this ancient and powerful entity. And to help fight this evil, Sarah Jane turns to an old friend, the Brigadier. I mean, it's, it's very, very good, and even better, it's one of those Sarah Jane Adventures episodes that's not written by Gareth Roberts, so you can like it at face value. No, a good, like, half of them <laughs> aren't written by him. They're written by Phil Ford, so... Yeah, this this is a Ford one. Yeah, that's good. Ford, who also co-wrote Waters of Mars, so you, you know you're in good good hands. I'm still yes, annoyed I... that the Waters of Mars is so good, but I still can't watch it because of how terrifying the monsters are. They still really, really frighten me. Anyway, derailment. So, yeah, remember, yes, they really, so I hate them so much. Al Freya, with the greatest will in the world, how are you the one derailing talking about Mrs. Wormwood? I suppose I'm delaying the inevitable chaos that's going to come. So, Freya, what do you think of Mrs. Wormwood as a character? I'm not delaying anything. I don't think I'm actually allowed to say my true opinions on Purple Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I like her a lot. Um, I think even if you said the acronym, it would still be considered too strong language. Yeah, probably. Mm. That's just your Twitter feed. Mother I'd like to be friends with. I think we're fine. Oh, though. boy. Yeah, fine. <laughs> but I, I would say she is an interesting character. Good to bring her back. Mm. Yeah. She's genuinely she does... a really fantastic character. Especially because of how... She's just funny. She's just good to have around. She could be 
as evil as she likes and then make you laugh in the same scene. And I think that's really nice to have in a villain. Like, mm. it's not just doom and gloom the entire time. There's a few bits of lighthearted fun while they challenge everything. The Age of Wormwood and Karg. If you want the Empire to sound like a bunch of solicitors. That's great. <laughs> that really is great. Oh. No, she, she's very funny. That moral complexity that she has with Luke that she does see Luke as her son. And therefore it's not just sheer hatred, like her hatred of Sarah Jane is in part that she foiled her plans, but also that she's taken her child. There's definitely a jealousy there that Sarah Jane is clearly a better mother to Luke than she could ever be. I think in her, there is some kind of a want to have him for herself because she took time to make him to develop him give him life and she thinks that's enough to be a mother and when Sarah Jane comes and shows her that that's not true and shows her that you're not essentially bound in parenthood to the person who made you I think that really challenges the way that like she sees the relationship between her and Luke um I think that's is majorly shown in there's a scene where Luke is reunited with Sarah Jane and he immediately runs to her and the way that she reacts to him and hugs him, Miss Wormwood is looking at her and she looks almost sad. Like for the first time in that entire episode, she does look quite sad. And I think that's because she recognises that Sarah Jane is the parent that she could never be. Mm. Well, here's a question. Um, Cause they play the relationship very one-sided. There's never like a big arc of Luke going, which mother should I choose? Do you think they should have lent into that a bit more? No. no. You don't. <laughs> I'd I, agree. I'm just... They did kind of do that with The Lost Boy, uh, the Series 1 finale, almost. Um, at least to begin with, but uh, we won't go into that here too much. But like, they would have sort of been retreading similar ground. That's true. Plus, by that point, Luke's entire life of, what, like a year and a half-ish... Um, uh, all he's known is sort of Sarah Jane and I, I guess you could have they did sort of go um he, he did try and connect with her some somewhat when they were together but he ultimately did realize like she's not a good mother he did use I... that more as an opportunity to manipulate her into allowing him an opportunity to escape oh but God, she gave I do think he did <laughs> I did think he wanted to use that like even though that conversation was a manipulation I think he genuinely wanted to use it to get some answers from her I Mm. think he had unfinished business with her but never saw her as his true mother in any way and I would completely agree with that it it just occurred to me then because but oh and you are right that they've done it before Uh, well, let's talk. Well, let's talk sort of not quite the big bad, but the concept that they throw out of Horath, who is this. Uh, well, the le- they say the legend of the Dark Empire coming to Big Finish 2023. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like a Big Finish title. It does. But Horath yeah. is, um, he was, he was, turns out to be a computer program who could like uh, yeah. manipulate reality. So it's a stasis paradigm again. We enjoy that. All those school reunion fans. Yeah, school reunion's good. 
and it's the aim of um it's never quite stay stayed like who's i don't think unless i'm being thick but if it's <laughs> like they say that the bane are after horath mm. and i've quite got this clear is it the bane who are after her after her after him or mrs woman saying the bane are to get stereogine's help um yeah it's never really stated like the the plot here is in this episode isn't like the strongest out of the Sarah Jane adventures it's it it does its work but it's more the um sort of the characters and their relationships that really drives this episode i'd say it is a very character driven series sort of the second half of series 2 because you've got something like um temptation of Sarah Jane Smith is also very it's about her parents, like the tricks and stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, but it's that not one's gorgeous. I love yeah. that one. Yeah. And then and Mark got... of the Mark of the Berserker. Yeah, that's again. pure Clyde and his dad. It's oh, so good. But it's interesting how, like, just talk Mark of the Berserker, like how adult they can actually push some stuff on Sarah Jane. Yeah, like, talk like... about that sort of like divorced parents because that's gonna well they do it um because they do it with Maria as well. Mm. in a different way so it's not exactly train steps there it is <laughs> but the fact they're able to talk about big themes and throw them across to children but big but themes I... that are related to children mm. i was gonna say i suppose that's thing certain things that children will recognize and even if they don't have an experience that themselves yeah it helps them to understand what people they know might be going through and i yeah. think yeah, i think it's necessary to have some of those themes in kids telly just to introduce them to things that kids really do see in the real world yeah. i mean most kids grow up reading jacqueline wilson books and they're pretty much all like that some of them are quite mentally scarring to be honest so i think it can it does have its place to talk yeah. about those things yeah even in sort of the first part of series two of sarah jane adventures you got what um leaving your friends behind um essentially child disappearances and sort of a parental bereavement and uh not really knowing who you are or what you're doing uh in those three episodes which is they're, they're really heavy themes think when that, you think about that's it. perhaps the heaviest the show ever gets yeah i or, think so mate Probably. i'd say clive being clive clive clive, clive. <laughs> Yeah, Clyde being homeless in um, well, Curse of Clyde Langer, like that one as well. Yeah, but which is a bit obviously less relatable to kids, but it still that still goes pretty far considering. Yeah, but I think uh, kids need to see kids having problems on tv but it's really important for kids to see themselves represented because it helps them relate to the characters and helps to drive home the message of the drama even more i yeah i do think that's quite important so i do like the way that they address some of those things in the show they don't just confine it to happy jolly kiddie version of doctor who they make it actually like go where it needs to go yeah Yeah. and it's it's never like um, talk down or well, not usually talk down either it's no or if it's talk down it's a character like making the deliberate choice to talk down yeah, mm. yeah that got really quite <laughs> deep <laughs> <laughs> so, okay we've, so we've got two reoccurring characters in this one uh, let's start with um, Karg the Sontaran from Last Sontaran now we at Hushok have done Last Sontaran 
we lost an invasion of the Bane last year. So you'd almost think this was planned. It wasn't. But you've got I him. Think. <laughs> Naturally, I anticipated. Karg um, returns as an ally of Mrs. Wormwood. And I would say it's a very, possibly the only time in the show a Suntaran has had a character arc. Certainly up until this point. Yeah, well, until series 13. (laughs) We don't know what they're doing with Suntaran's series 13. I mean, there's rumours going around, but I will not speculate on here. When you say rumours, do you mean memes on TARDIS posting? Um, No. <laughs> Absolutely like, not. Why would I base I've never seen his eyes light up with such terror? I just want to make that clear for anyone who can't see this. Who would base their entire opinions on something on that they read on the internet? Certainly not me. Anyway, we've been through this series 14. <laughs> but yeah, I I think it's it's interesting to have that disgrace on Taran and actually be I'm not saying I don't love Strax, because I do. But to go the route of them still being very angry about it. Mm. To go that more Jeremy resentment rather than comedic. Karg is Poundland Strax. <laughs> I was saying, I prefer, <laughs> for, how much of your opinion is derivated from the amount of time you spent near Van Vastra? No comment. No. <laughs> 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 The amount of times I spend not trying to stereotype you and then you just dig your own grave. <laughs> Look, yeah. I just like the lizard woman from the dawn of time and her wife. Fair no, enough. you can't come in. <laughs> uh, but I do think uh, Karg is very interesting in that sort of redemption of defeating Mrs. Wormwood. Yeah, it's quite a take. It's interesting, and I'm, I'm guessing like sort of the ending of the episode is probably based on the fact they didn't have like the, the CGI to and the budget to actually sort of pull off something better at the time. Um, but yeah, I, I think like sort of the the just the impact of him choosing to uh, take down Mrs. Wormwood. Quite literally, impact when he just slams into her and pushes her yeah. into a ball. Yeah, like I mean. It's, it's, just, it's just pretty good. Like, I, I can't really think of any, anything else to say. Well, let's move to the other character, the Brigadier. <sighs> Brigadier Sir oh. Alistair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart. No, I didn't forget. <laughs> it took you a while. <laughs> I thought was going Courtney. And I'm like, no, that's Courtney. the actor's name. Yeah. <laughs> Gordon Courtney. Well, but originally, just to add my writer's tale trivia, it was meant to be Martha. Was it? And Yeah, but she got booked up filming... Uh, Law and Order UK, thanks Chibnall. And that, that's why she couldn't make Children of Earth either in Torchwood. Because oh. it was just all at the same time. So they oh just ran it. Oh, that is a crime. That's an actual crime. They had the Brigadier. And just Chibnall another, went too far this time. Another we deserved Sarah Jane and Martha. We really deserve Sarah Jane and Martha. That's so upsetting. Yeah, another writer's tale, but when uh, Davies texted Ben Cook to say, we're going to have the Brigadier, he said, and I can do this from memory, Oh yes, how brilliant! Just don't get them mixed up and have the brigadier in Torchwood stalking Yanto. <laughs> oh wow! But I also uh, it's okay. Like the entirety of seventies slash eighties unit is incredibly gay. More so now than standard, honestly. Oh yeah, that's true. But no, I think the brig in this—it's a lovely way of if introducing you're a classic unit, you're character. Okay. If you're in unit, you're gay. <laughs> I mean, look at Kate and Oscars. <laughs> Come on. Yes. 
<laughs> a new generation of unit queers. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but it's a lovely way of bringing back a classic character. It definitely fits mm-hmm. with Sarah Jane and Nicholas Courtney is very much acting. It's more of a mellowed take, I'd say. Yeah. You get, well, but at the same time, it's like he's never been away. Yeah, like in some of the other stuff where he's a little bit older like battlefield he's you can still see see that fire but like he's obviously retired by that point um uh what else there, there are like a few other bits of media like um, i think one of the more recent big finish uh, the gray man of the mountain uh, is sort of set in the mid 2000s and uh, i think anyway and uh, it's sort of him uh, the seventh doctor and ace and there again um sort of more mellowed but you can still sort of see the the action man underneath and he's in this he's oh, like the action man he's just a, yeah it's like very smooth it's okay he becomes the literal action man in uh in death in heaven oh god <laughs> You've got... um to our regular listeners, I would like to deeply apologise for the comments um, Owen has made. They do not represent Husok. No, they do not. <laughs> it, was inte- it was entirely a joke, and I hate that scene. And I he, do... will, he will get it a rudimentary so beating to his um, once we have finished filming, and he will be fired in the audio dramas and replaced with a new actor. With Chris. No, that's too inappropriate. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> nearly can pay to someone who's had a quite a bigger scandal than that so let's just mm. move on i think and talk questions unless you have anything else to add no good uh first question <laughs> from emily do you think horath's plot could be explored in the future and if so how i mean i said big finish mm. i don't know if it's too <laughs> You could do anything rest. in Big Finish and make yeah, it work. You can. I don't know if it's too tied into Sarah Jane Adventures that they couldn't actually get the right sort of practical level, but there's I no reason think it you is. couldn't. Like, I, I guess if, the if, if it wasn't a rights issue, it would be a good idea. I feel like yeah. it could. It wouldn't be like the most like inspiring yeah, it, of Big Finish audios, but it would. It would have its place. It'd be like a fun yeah. little. A lot, I'm sure it's a computer that can like destroying create worlds at will that's there's a lot of potential in that sheer power mm. I, I think if you're going to do with it if you're going to bring Horath back you'd probably have to bring back mrs wormwood and karg well i so. think if they did it as a prologue to how he was imprisoned mm, yeah is that, what I think. I so that's sort of what i was thinking that yeah. you, quite you could do classic doctor you could do um i want to say gallifrey you could have a time off thing <laughs> I, I mean i wouldn't be opposed of course I you got would. <laughs> um, second question, which I've reworded from its original phrasing. Could John Hart be brought into Doctor Who and how toned down would he need to be? No. <laughs> it wouldn't oh, be worth my, it. No, it's my headcanon that John Hart has met the 13th Doctor. Like, if he was going to meet any of them, it would be 13. Just for Am the I allowed contrast. to say can... the, the H word? <laughs> I don't um, know. <laughs> but it, people don't know what it is. Does it end in Y and isn't Harry? Uh, yes. But you can't Kirby. take you can't take the H word out of John Hart and have him still be the same character. He just is permanently like that. There is no yeah, way that you it. can remove the two. You'd be really pushing it. Because like you're already pushing it with Jack in Doctor Who. And even then he can be a bit too much sometimes. Mm. 
So I no think comment. John Hart being a worse yeah. version. Like, I think you, you with would have more to chaos. Down, yeah, you'd have to tone him down to Jack level. Certainly yeah. with the flirting, you can't have him trying to shag a poodle. Yeah, this is why he can exist. Oh God! I can't say H word, but you could say shag. <laughs> Residential perks. Or wait like... until next year. Oh no! It's this it's why that, like Big Finish have actually used him to, in like the sins of Captain John, um, where let like, suffice to say they do, according to the descriptions, they do go into quite a bit more uh, more Torchwood esque stuff. And that we, I'm presuming, we definitely can't broadcast. Oh yeah, yeah, I, we mm, um, we definitely can't talk about it in a podcast. Let's just put yeah. it that way. Look, look it up some for of yourself. The big finish, some of the big finish Torchwood stuff was mentioned in the chat yesterday during the episode, and it couldn't even be said out loud in the chat. So uh, that's how far is, that um, goes. Notoriously, no, not safe for work. <laughs> We are a great chat, very welcoming. Bloody who suck. <laughs> okay, I think let's uh, call it there. Next week, we're back to the third Doctor with the Green Death. Famously, the departure of companion Joe Grant. Oh, so you're going to so make me cry. Would... Yeah. And when don't I? Uh, John Pertwee dressing up as no, a young lady, which is a great scene. Well, we will get to that then. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio Podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.